Um, good morning and welcome to everyone. My name is Vaughan. If I haven't met, we haven't met. Nam Kele Kile here. Welcome. Goeiemorgen. I'm going to um, be sharing a little bit about Deuteronomy this morning. Um, and I just want to thank you all for the opportunity to be here. Thanks to Craig. Also, when we spoke with Craig, um, he mentioned that, you know, just having worked through the power of change as individuals this past season, um, that the next question to be addressed is how do we as a body of Christ bring about change in our city and in our country? Um, how does the kingdom of Shalom break through into the kingdom of empire? And not only uh, on an individual level, but also then on a larger corporate and systemic level. And so we're going to share a little bit about that this morning. Um, obviously, we won't get into all of Deuteronomy in 25, 30 minutes, but we're going we're gonna to give it a go. So let's pray together, shall we? Yeah. Father, we thank you for this time together. We thank you that we're able to come together and fellowship together and greet each other and be with each other, um, celebrate together, worship together, pray together, and listen to your word together. Thank you for this community of faith. Um, will you bless the words of my mouth now also, that they might be from you, in Jesus' name, amen. Right, so with that in mind, it's, it's, um, there will be a series coming, don't worry, a far more eloquent series coming that Craig will be preparing, um, but I'm just going to drop something in here, just to give a little bit of context and also maybe a bit of grounding in um, some of the scriptures from Deuteronomy. As you know, it's the last book of the, of the Torah, which is the five books of Moses, um, it records him retelling essentially the law which was originally given in Exodus, Exodus chapter 20. And he retells this on the plains of Moab as the people are about to move across into this promised land that they've been waiting for for years. Um, Moses reminds them, this is what the Lord has committed to you. And this is what you have committed to the Lord. Um, so having traveled through the wilderness, they've landed here, they're on the brink. And so these are Moses' final words to them as they, as they attempt, as they begin to start their journey into this land, the last steps that they need to take. A sort of summary of their relationship that God has engaged with them in the partnership, which started way back with Abraham. And God is building this partnership, building this partnership. And in Exodus, he makes a commitment to them. Now, from a literary point of view, this commitment is, um, is somewhat specific uh, if we look at the book of Deuteronomy. And it's set out as a sort of ancient covenant or treaty. And ancient treaties at that time, um, Hittite treaties, or more specifically in this case, something known as a suzerain vassal treaty, was a treaty in the ancient Near East that was set up um, between a greater party and a, and a lesser party. And it was very common at the time, the Hittite Treaty. I had the privilege of seeing some of these stones um, in, in a museum in Istanbul, of these treaty tablets dating back over thousands of years. And, um, and the scholars have found that they all followed a, a fairly particular pattern. The greater party provided military protection and uh, land rights, while in response, the vassal... Um, owed the suzerain their financial offerings, uh, their gifts, and of course their, 
their committed loyalty, their complete loyalty. And consequently, the vassal, the, the lesser party, could only have one suzerain. Because to have any more would be to take on another lord or another father and it would be seen as an act of treason. And we see in Deuteronomy the way that it's actually structured that it has these different pieces. It has these different pieces of introducing uh, who God is and, and what he's done, the history of the relationship, um, all the laws that come through, uh, the retelling of the Ten Commandments come through in that. At the end, there's the blessings and the curses which we see in Deuteronomy. The blessings are usually very, very short. <laughs> if you follow me and you do what I say, then everything's going to go well. And then, you know, if you look at the whole of chapter 28, the rest of chapter 28 is all the curses that happen. If you don't follow me, these are unfortunately the natural consequences of what will happen. And it ends often with something to remember, some sort of a poem or song to remember this treaty so that people will be reminded that we have made this commitment to the suzerain. And in this case, in, in Deuteronomy, that is actually the song of Moses at the end of um, in chapter 32. But so in rescuing the Hebrews from their previous suzerain, who was, of course, their overlord Pharaoh, the Lord leads his people to a mountain in the middle of the desert. And he says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start a new covenant with you. I'm going to start a new treaty with you. You're no longer going to be over under Pharaoh anymore. You're not going to be his vassal. You're not going to be his people that he can oppress and enslave and and misuse and mistreat. I'm going to be your suzerain. I'm going to be your new lord. And you will be my people. And as he proclaims that he's their suzerain, their lord, and their father, he's also expecting complete loyalty. He's, he's expecting that um, they will be devoted to him. I will save you from fear. I will protect you from them. I will give, give you land. I will promise you land. There will be land at the end of this this, uh, this journey together, we are going to have a space where you, can, where you can rest. But I need you to be devoted to me and obedient to me. And so that's how it's set out in the literary form, a sort of a social contract, if you will. And so in Deuteronomy 5, standing on the plains of Moab, Moses reminds the people of the Ten Commandments and of the laws that God had given them in the desert. And he reminds them that before they enter the Promised Land, they've made a commitment They've made a treaty to these responsibilities. When we're looking at the, the actual um, covenant, it's important to note that the promises we make, they matter. They matter a lot. And we see that for the Israelites as well. The, the impact of this treaty, of this covenant that they made, and its responsibilities would have far-reaching impact throughout the life of Israel. Through the words of all the prophets, and all of the writings right into the New Testament, they would be reminded of this covenant to make us the people of God. What are the key things that make us the people of God? What is the crux of the matter? We summarize these things. Firstly, there's the worship of Yahweh alone. We look at the Ten Commandments. You want to bring that up? In the Ten Commandments, it says, I'm the Lord your God. You can't have anyone else. You can't have any idols I don't want you to worship anyone else. Oh, and very importantly, you need to find everything that you need in me. You need to be able to rest. You need to be able to take Sabbath in me. I'm your provider. 
I'm your provider. I'm the one that's going to look after you. You don't need to run after empire the way you did in, in Pharaoh's kingdom. I'm the one that looks after you. But the second is also, and you see them in the last six, treat people well. Treat your neighbor well. I'm not Pharaoh, and my kingdom will not be a kingdom of treating people like slaves or of oppressing them. I am a different king, and my kingdom will be different. We see this summary in the New Testament as well. When we look at Jesus' words, we see that he says, when asked what is the most important command, he says, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. These are the two main things that Jesus speaks. And if you look at that compared to the, to the Ten Commandments, we see it like this. Summarizing the first four commandments, summarizing the last six commandments. Very simple. And in fact, when Jesus is speaking, he's actually quoting from Deuteronomy 6, from the Shema, love the Lord your God. And he quotes from Leviticus 19, saying, this is how you should love your neighbor. And if you look at all the chapters around Leviticus 19, 18 and 19 and so on, you'll see that that love is a very practical love. Treat your neighbor well. Do not oppress them. Do not hurt them. Do not cheat them. It's all these practical things. It's not just a feeling of love. Jesus is saying, no, no, we must treat people well. We must treat people well. There's another theme that I want to just highlight in uh, the book of Deuteronomy, and that's the theme to remember. In... Um, Beyond the covenant and the social contract, there are these words that keep repeating. One of them is zakar, and I'm going to butcher these names. Lindsay said to me before the service, said, um, I hope you're going to throw in some Greek words. <laughs> I said, well, um, unfortunately, Lindsay, the Old Testament is written in Aramaic. <laughs> so I'm going to throw out some Aramaic words. <laughs> But to remember is this word zakar, and to forget is a word that I'm really going to butcher, it's shakach. And these words keep repeating throughout. Remember where you come from. And what Moses is saying to them is, remember, do not forget the slavery that you came from. Do not forget the oppression that you came from. But also, do not forget the deliverance and the salvation that came about from the Lord during the exodus. This morning in the prayer meeting, um, Adrian shared this, this word around salvation. Today, salvation has come to this house. Today. Do you remember when you were saved? Do you remember the day that grace came to your house and everything changed? Do you remember that day that the Lord stepped into your life? and spoke to you and met you in that place of need. Do you remember that day? This is what Moses is telling the people. Do you remember that day? And I'm going to go through these rather quickly, but I want you just to get the rhythm of Deuteronomy as we go through these now. It keeps repeating chapter after chapter. Deuteronomy 5, verse 15. You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and that the Lord brought you out of there with a mighty hand and outstretched arm. 
Deuteronomy 7, you shall re- not be afraid of them, but you shall remember that the Lord your God did to Pharaoh and all of Egypt. Deuteronomy 8 and verse 18, you shall remember the Lord your God. For it is he who gives you the power to get wealth, and he will confirm his covenant as he swore to you his fathers as it is to this day. Deuteronomy 15 and 15, you shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, but the Lord your God redeemed you. Therefore, I command you this today. Deuteronomy 16, you shall remember that you were a slave in Egypt. You shall be careful to absorb the, observe these statutes. Deuteronomy 24, you shall remember that you were a slave in Egypt. And just four, four verses later, you shall remember again that you were a slave in the land of Egypt. Therefore, I command you to do this. If it, it's this call to remember our own oppression, the slavery that we were under, the bondage that we were under. Moses wants them to remember the blood that was on the doorposts of their homes and the rescue of God that the Lord passed over them and he was merciful to them. Another word which shows up is this word shakach. And this word means to forget or to ignore, to wither or to cease to exist. And so there's this call to not forget, to not shakach. In fact, the word is mentioned at least eight times in Deuteronomy. And I'm not going to go through all of those, but Deuteronomy 4, take care lest you forget the covenant of the Lord, which he made for you. Deuteronomy 6, then take care and lest you forget the Lord who brought you up out of the land of Egypt and out of the house, out of that treaty, out of that covenant of slavery. These two words just over and over, chapter after chapter, multiple times, don't forget, don't forget. About 22 references about either remembering or not forgetting. And that is why I command you to do this. Remember your story. Remember the story of your salvation. Remember the story of your being set free, of your deliverance. Because when we forget that we used to be slaves in Egypt, when we forget that we too are under bondage, we tend to forget how we should be treating other people. The third theme here is this theme of the alien, the orphan, the widow, and the poor. This phrase comes up again and again throughout Deuteronomy. The alien, the orphan, the widow, and the poor. It's known as the quartet of the vulnerable. These are the people that are the most vulnerable in society. And about these people, God seems to be incredibly concerned. Now, why is this call to remember so important for them? I think simply because when you remember where you came from and how vulnerable you were, you will remember the vulnerability of other groups of people as well, the people on the fringes of society. When you remember the salvation and grace extended to you, you too shall extend deliverance and grace to others. This mirrors a theme which we see more in the New Testament, which is this theme of when you receive grace, we give grace. But we need to first recognize that we needed it. And so it's therefore not just the call to remember the grace and mercy received, being released from slavery, but a call to treat well those who are still vulnerable and still being oppressed. The alien, the orphan, the widow, and the poor. Deuteronomy 10, verse 17 and 19. He defends the cause of the fatherless and the widow. He loves the foreigner residing among you, giving them food and clothing. And you are to love those foreigners, for you yourself were foreigners in Egypt. Deuteronomy 15, a well-known passage, referred to by Jesus 
Verse 4, there should be no poor among you. For the Lord your God will greatly bless you in the land he has given you as a special possession. You will receive this blessing if you are careful to obey all the commands of the Lord your God that I'm giving you today. And he goes on to say that he will bless you. And if there are any poor Israelites in your towns when you arrive in the land the Lord your God is giving you, do not be hard-hearted or tight-fisted toward them. Instead, be generous and lend them whatever they need. And do not be mean-spirited and refuse someone alone because the year of cancelling deaths is coming. If you refuse to make a loan and the needy person cries out to the Lord, you will be considered guilty of sin. Give generously to the poor, not grudgingly, for the Lord your God will bless you in everything you do. There will always be some in the land who are poor. That is why I'm commanding you to share freely with the poor and with other Israelites in need. What is God saying in this passage? He's saying, in my kingdom, under my covenant, in my treaty, in the way in which I want you to live, there should be no poor in the land. But there will be poor because we're not going to be open-handed. So be open-handed. Later on it says, if any of your people, Hebrew men and women, sell themselves to you and they become slaves, it says, give them to the Lord. Your God has blessed you. Remember that you were slaves in Egypt, and the Lord your God redeemed you. That is why I command you this today. Deuteronomy 16, again, releasing people. And the foreigners and the fathers and the widows living among you, remember that you were slaves in Egypt, and follow carefully these decrees. Do not deprive the foreigner or the fatherless of justice, or take the cloak of the widow as a pledge. Remember that you were slaves in Egypt, and the Lord your God redeemed you from there. That is why I command you to do this. Chapter 24, when you harvest in your field, leave something on the edge. Don't overlook, and you overlook a sheaf. Do not go back and take it. Leave it for the fatherless, the foreigner, the fatherless, and the widow, so that the Lord your God may bless you in all the works of your hands. And when you beat your olive trees, do not go over the branches a second time. Leave what remains for the foreigner, the fatherless, and the widow. When you harvest the grapes in your vineyard, do not go over the vines again. Leave what remains for the foreigner, the fatherless, and the widow. Remember that you were slaves in Egypt. That is why I command you to do this. Lastly, Deuteronomy 26. When you have finished setting aside a tenth of all your produce in the third year, the year of the tithe, you shall give it to the Levite, the foreigner, the fatherless, and the widow, that they may eat in your towns and be satisfied. Then say to the Lord your God, I have removed from my house the sacred portion and have given it to the Levite, the foreigner, the fatherless, and the widow, according to all you have commanded. I have not turned aside from your commands, nor have I forgotten any of them. When we remember where we come from, we notice the alien and the orphan and the widow. And we are attent to the issues of mercy and justice, injustice around us. And when we take care of the orphan and the alien and the widow, we live a life of mercy and justice. We respond from that place because we're reminded of where we came from. We're reminded of God's grace. We're reminded of the blood on the doorpost of our hearts, how God has saved me. And as salvation comes to our house, we become different people. We become the people of God. We enter into a new covenant with God. And we live in the way that brings him glory. Jesus said people are going to know. People are going to know who you are by the way that you love. By the way that you love. 
I fear in many parts of the world, Christians are no longer known as being the people who love. But I'm very excited here in Pinelands just to, to see and experience people who care deeply for others. And I want to encourage us, just this last week, a friend of mine, not in our church actually, um, told me a story that he was with a client whose wife is very ill. And, um, and she was unable to take care of herself. And as he was there, someone from this church arrived at the house and said to her, I'm here to wash you. I'm here to help you wash, to part. And she was feeling it was totally unnecessary. You, you don't have to do that. And she said, no, I'm here now, and I'm going to wash you. And I'm going to wash you every day until you're able to do so yourself. Because that's what we do for one another. And this, this gentleman was so impressed by seeing this that he shared it with me. The last night I was sitting and chatting to Annie and she told me about a young man who is now a barista. You can meet him for yourself at Woolworths here in Howard Center. Why is he a, a barista now at Woolworths? He was previously unemployed. Because a group of Christians have moved to work alongside a school in Lunga to start to tackle the challenge, the massive challenge of unemployment in our country. And they've provided training to young people and helping them to access work opportunities. And because of those group of Christians, we now have people working in the center just down the road. This weekend, you can just show that slide. There was a fire just on Friday. I got a WhatsApp this weekend. There's a fire that's left 12 families without their homes. Just in Tabombeki, they're close to the airport. And once again, thanks to the generosity of Christians and churches around the city, including PBC, a community kitchen has been activated there and um, resources, these buckets, hundreds of buckets that have come from churches all around the city coming together, moving out, moving in and out. Um, there have been two fires, in fact, one in Philippi and one at Tabombeki that uh, churches have, have, have grouped together, part of the Respond Network, of which PBC and Lorada's Hope are part of that network. And so we have these buckets standing by at different churches around the city of stuff, you know, face cloths and, and soap and all sorts of things inside, and maize. And, and so these things have been, have been activated in order for us to be able to respond to this community on the fringe of our city. Every week, a group of people from this church gather together to travel to schools in our, in our communities. And they travel to schools where learners are being faced with the severe inequality of our education system. And they're reading to them, one by one, in a library that the church helped to build. These are the things that we do for one another in our city. But I need to stress, we don't do them because we're good people. We don't do them because it's a good thing to do. We do them because this is the way of God. This is who He is. This is the treaty. This is the contract. This is the covenant that He has made with us. I want you to love me and to worship me. And by the way, that looks like you looking after all the people around you. That's what my kingdom looks like. When we love one another, 
when we serve one another, when we care for one another, that's what the people of God looks like. That's why we do it. Because we remember the grace that we received from God. We remember the salvation. We remember the blood of Jesus in my heart, like the blood of Jesus over the doorpost of the Israelites. I have set you free. Go. Bless others. Look after others. Set them free. Remember where you came from so that people might see the kingdom of Shalom, that people might see who God is, this good God who loves Remember that you've been saved by grace and the Lord desires that the way we live will bring about a reflection of his glory and his compassion and his shalom and his grace and his kingdom. We're no longer under Pharaoh. We live under a new kingdom, under a new God in the kingdom of shalom. So that's just a brief introduction to Deuteronomy. If you'd like to know more, there is so much more to share on Deuteronomy. Um, But I want to just give you those few themes that have been coming through And may the Lord bless you with his grace and his goodness. Father, I want to thank you for your grace. I want to thank you for the sacrifice that you've made. That I might be saved. That I might be rescued. That I might be set free. That I'm no longer a slave. I'm no longer a slave to to the ways of this world. And I thank you for your spirit that makes me your child. I thank you that you have made us your people. A people who live in covenant with you. A people who reflect you. A people who show the world what you look like. A people who show the world your grace and your mercy, your desire for justice. Lord, we thank you for those who are coming to a place of salvation. We thank you for ourselves that have come to a place of salvation. And thank you that you are changing us to be the people that you desire us to be here in Pinelands, here in Cape Town. Will you continue to work in our lives, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.